Sport Tracks on SAFM with John Gerica, Saturdays, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. Let's talk to another doozy canoe. Bridget Ellen Hartley joins us now. Her, it says here, reflects on the doozy 2021. Bridget, I don't know if you were listening to Andy Burkett earlier. Andy said he had a whale of a time, loved every minute of it. How did you experience it? <laughs> Thanks, John. I know Andy had a whale of a time. He like, <laughs> beat his own record. <laughs> it, it's great when you win by 21 minutes. Yes, and he beat your own record. Now he was on a league of his own for sure. <laughs> How was your race? I actually had an amazing race. Excellent. I have I haven't done too many duties in my life, so it was my first duty that I've done and my second K one and for the first time that I never fell out my boat anyway. I just wasn't <laughs> the fastest runner. <laughs> that, that, there we go. What more do you need? You didn't fall out, there we go, done deal. Yeah, so it was really it was really cool. I did enjoy it. It's it's always tough though. Um sometimes wake up the next morning and think, why am I even doing this? Because yeah. your legs hurt so much. But that's racing for you. <laughs> your legs hurt when you go canoeing because of the running? Well, because of the running. Like, you, it's crazy to think how much running is in the duty. Like, it's paddling from Peter Maritz to Devon, but it's not a target line. Mm. You know, like, <laughs> you've got to run over some mountains and some parts and some roads to try and get back to the river. Otherwise, I think it would be, you wouldn't be able to get there. Mm. Because normally what you do is you have somebody put the boat into a very flat, still, straight line, and then you just paddle like mad for a couple of minutes, and then you're done. Yes, well, I don't let someone else put my boat in. I oh, do you do it? Boat. Oh, okay. <laughs> but we might walk to the jetty with the coat holding the back, so you don't make yourself too tired. But, <laughs> but yes, you're pretty much getting into the jetty, so it's like you're like a cat that doesn't want to get their feet wet. <laughs> and then the duty is like, it's like talking to you to that, really. Could be slipping down hills and cutting yourself on thorn bushes mm, and then mm. falling, falling into the water if you don't get in smoothly and yeah, getting full of mud and <laughs> it's, it's not as um, clean cut as a sprint course at all. You see, this is what I was telling Andy. I've like I was saying, I got into that boat once or twice. It is a difficult boat to get into. They are very narrow and they don't want to stay upright. <laughs> yes, exactly. When you do, when you aren't used to them, they definitely are very unstable. But the nice thing is, is that if you're novice, hopefully. Somebody who was trying to teach you would have given you a more stable boat. Mm. So can you can use a double, and then it's a lot more fun to learn. No, it was it was Dave McLeod. He didn't care. He just said, oh, John, no. Yeah, he's a nice guy, but yeah, no, he just put me in a boat and said, see what you can do. And it just shows how good you guys are. <laughs> well, we have been doing it for a few years. <laughs> so don't feel bad. Okay, what position did you finish in the doozy, Bridget Ellen Hartley? I was third. Third. Yeah. <sighs> Third in the Doozy, third in London, third in Dartmouth, third in Moscow, third in Montemero or Velo. Yeah, and, and in uh, Halifax, Canada. So I think I'm uh, the queen of bronze, I said. <laughs> okay, I didn't mention the three All-Africa Games golds and the African and two Africa Games golds. So. Okay, okay, so I reviewed myself with the African Games, at least. <laughs> <laughs> Sil- silver's not your colour. No, it doesn't seem like it at all, actually. <laughs> Do you look back in those at those? I mean, to to that twenty twelve bronze was amazing, right? It, it's something that's celebrated and it's still celebrated. But when you look at all those bronze, do you go? I should have tried a little harder. <laughs> no, definitely not. I think sometimes <laughs> we watch that race mm-hmm. and like I get anxious for myself. Like, am I going to get a medal? But then I also look at the girl who got silver, and I wish there was like fifty meters more because I feel like she went out really hard and then yeah. died, and I went strong at the end. So I sometimes think that. Maybe it would have been cool. I could have just pushed it out of silver, but I didn't. So <laughs> I'm happy with my bronze. That's you watch it back and think what I could have done differently. That's horrible. <laughs> no, no, you just kind of actually more. I've watched it and been like, oh, 
like on the edge of my chair, probably like all the spectators as well. Like, yeah. oh my gosh, like you're not even in contention yet. And, uh. Oh, come on, that's a little bit harder. And I'm sure everybody said that while they were watching me as well. <laughs> Was what's the the canoeing world like, especially in the champs? Because I mean, you 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 suddenly arrived at the Olympic Games in South Africa because we saw you, but you had done well in Dartmouth at the World Championships three years before, but obviously not as much publicity, I guess. Yeah, and also I actually raced a different distance in um, in Dartmouth mm. when I when I got my bronze and um, but I think it was also that I only qualified for the London Olympics in eleventh place. Mm the previous year, so you would never then be, like, earmarked initially as a medal candidate. You're always, like, racing for medals, regardless yeah. of who you are when you enter competition, but you don't know if it's going to go your way on the day or not. Um, so I think that's why it wasn't like I was, like, the tablet crow who had been earmarked with your times that you for sure were probably going to medal, um, and there was quite a big, like, a lot of talk around that. Um, mm. So... So yeah, I think I just had all the good races when they counted. And is it a small canoeing world? So in other words, those, those the ladies that you compete against, do you, do you know them by sight at least? Yeah, so actually the girls that I raced, all of them in that final, I know pretty well. Besides like a language barrier, the girl that came mm. second, I don't think we say too many words to each other, <laughs> but that's just because of the language barrier. Yeah. The Hungarian English isn't the best, but I speak to her as well because I trained in Hungary. But the British girl, I did some training camps with the Danish girl, I also did training camps with the Swedish girl as well. So a lot of a lot of the time you've raced each other for like a couple of years in the build up. So you, you talk to each other often or see each other at races or somewhere along the line you're in the same country or training camp venue. Three Olympic Games you've done, right? Yes. What was I mean, obviously we have to love London because you got the bronze medal, but it's when I look at it, you did Beijing and when you look at a map, Beijing, far east, London, slap bang in the middle, Rio de Janeiro, far left hand side, far west. It, how different are an Olympic Games for somebody who's really doing the same thing over and over again? They actually are completely different, just as you say, like in different places of the world as mm. well. They all have a different atmosphere to them. Um, I found Rio quite stressful. Um, Beijing, I actually really enjoyed because I got to experience it the most. I got, went to the opening ceremony, right. I saw more events, I went to the closing ceremony, I was a tourist quite a lot afterwards as well, I saw a lot of things. London, like I decided to only fly in like four days before because I was training in Austria and I was like trying to be like a bit of a racehorse, you know, let's just like, <laughs> stay focused. <laughs> and then afterwards I also didn't stay as much to be a tourist because I'd been to London before. Right. So it was a little bit different and there was such a big hype afterwards that you kind of felt like those two days ended up feeling like a week, that there was so much going on with press releases and everything. Mm. So, you know, they were all completely different. Um, and Rio had its own sort of uniqueness as well. But they're all stressful regardless. Um, but we all just training to, to have our best race at the end of the day in every single one that you go to. You say stress. Is, it, is that is that nervous stress or is it just I need to win? What is the stress you're talking about? No, it is nervous stress. Like even though you race year after year, like you still get those butterflies on the start line. Okay. You, you're never lining up. I don't know. Maybe some people do line up and feel like they're completely content or they know that they're going to win or get a medal. I've never felt 100% like that, that I can completely relax on the start line. I always get those, even if it's a small race. Mm. <laughs> All right, don't go away. We're talking to Bridget Ellen Hartley, third in the Doozy Canoe Marathon. I want to talk about her race in a moment.
Sport Tracks on SAFM with John Gerica, Saturdays, 7 p.m. till 10 p.m. My guest is Bridget Ellen Hartley, came third in the doozy. Let's talk about the doozy, Bridget. It's, like I said, completely different to your sprinting, which is, what, two and a, two and a half kilometers, uh, no, yeah, two and a half kilometers at the most. How different is it? Try and explain, if you can, when, when you get into a doozy compared to your normal canoeing. Well, for one, it's um, the DZ is a proper endurance race. Uh, when I'm sprinting, I'm probably never actually, if I'm focusing on the main events, it's 500 meters. So it's between a good time of like a 147 and a sure. 158, depending on the condition. So it's definitely completely the opposite when it comes to your energy systems that you're using. And uh, not only that, it's, it's combined with running and a little mm. bit of an event as well. So you're getting in and out of your boat paddling in flat water rapids so there's obstacles along the way as well so your brain is always having to focus somewhere along the line and then you get tired like <laughs> the, the fatigue sets in for sure there's always pictures of doozy with doozy marathoners with their eyes are wide open as they're going down the river you can see just how much work goes into making sure that boat's pointing in the right direction most definitely i think because sometimes you'll know a rapid and you'll know what line you should take but depending on the water level, it doesn't mean that the water is going to push you in the way that you really want to go. Mm. Uh, so I think that's why some people's eyes open up and bulge like they do, because you might be all of a sudden <laughs> going, oh, shucks, <laughs> I don't know if this is the drop or the hole that I was meant to be aiming for, and now I'm not sure what I'm going to do, but I'm going to make it work if I can. <laughs> See what happens at the other end. Yeah. Sometimes the water's in charge. No, it definitely is. And if you, like I said, if you get the line right, it's, it's nice, but if mm. you don't, um, I definitely have seen a few people's faces going down some of the rapids, and I sometimes wonder if I look like that <laughs> when I go down. <laughs> <laughs> Mouth wide open because there's just water pouring up your nose. Yeah, and your eyes popping out of your head. <laughs> <laughs> what, what, which do you prefer? Uh, so if you had to ask me a few years ago, I would definitely say the flat water. Mm. Um, it's definitely my niche, and I love cuddling to try and persist the race. But slowly but surely, I've started to enjoy rivers a little bit more. I think in the beginning, they weren't my favorite because I always did such silly things. And I kept swimming and I'd hit little rocks and fall out in random places of rapids that don't even have names. <laughs> Be like, oh, where did you fall out? I'm not sure. Stupid hippo rock. I don't even know. Like, where it was <laughs> between this big rapid and that one. Yeah. <laughs> whereas, whereas now, I did a lot of, um, I did a lot more tripping and homework over the last, um, couple of weeks, especially because the doozy was postponed by about a month, and it really was in my favour. So I feel like I learned the river a lot better than I ever have before. Because I feel that South Africa is a river canoeing nation, aren't we? Because of the doozy and the berg and, and the other fish river. Most definitely. I think we grew up um, as youngsters doing marathons and doing rivers, and I think it's a really healthy way to start paddling instead of just focusing on flat water because you don't have such a big group of people that do it but in Europe that is like the big focus so and then of course it's, it's also the results have been consistent in the marathon that would have McGregor and we've had youngsters getting junior medals consistently over the years so I think in that sense it kind of makes more sense that there's role models there's more role models along the way and um, and the the river marathons just kind of mold the athletes into that sort of caliber rather than sprinting and there's not as many consistent role models, and it's, it's really tough. It doesn't happen overnight. Mm, mm. You, you get good at a sprint race. It's quite a few years, and then you get overseas, and then you have these Europeans that are under 18 or 
under 21 and you look at them and you're like, are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> they, they're really cool and like, their muscle development is so much sure. um, better than what any younger South Africans are and it's just it's a little bit overwhelming, I think. The one thing I can't imagine with flat water is just the technique. I, I, when you're paddling, I, is it the same stroke all the time? But it's got to change as you go along the route, don't you? Oh, definitely. So in flat water, you're trying to actually get it right every time, mm. mimic it like a good technique. But then what changes is the frequency. So I think that's what okay. you don't see on the, in the naked eye is that you're changing your frequency and putting more power in and but ideally, if you can get a, a good technique, it's just like running that you, like if you get a perfect technique, you run faster. So mm. in paddling, it's exactly the same. It's, if you're on flat water, it's just that rivers, it doesn't matter as much. Because the water's pushing you in the right direction sometimes. Yeah, and it's more important then to kind of just grab the water and stay in your boat, I think. <laughs> and worry about what you look like. <laughs> and not fall out, yeah. Okay, yeah. all right, what's next for you? We heard Andy explaining it. He's got quite a busy few weeks now, eight weeks. What have you got scheduled? Yeah, so I think I'm in a little bit of like unsurety. So I'd probably also be training for the marathon champs like he is. Mm-hmm. That in May because it's usually in June and um, they've moved it a month earlier just in case that COVID wave comes and then we can't do our national right. selections and it will still happen later in the year then we haven't chosen a team so I think that's the thinking behind our um, federation but then there's also um, Sprint National in the middle of April which I might give a try um, I haven't been focusing on flat water sprinting so I don't feel fast at all but I might still decide to take part in that just as like an extra event along the way. Why would they do that in autumn? Is it COVID? Um, oh, you mean the the world champs? Well, well, no, the local ones. Oh, the local ones. Yeah. So the local the local sprint is always in in, um, in April. Okay. And um, marathons is always in June because the world champs is in like it's like August September. So you kind of trying to choose a team before it's too cold. Um, it's just always been on the calendar like that. <laughs> June is the middle of winter. Yeah, it's pretty cold. <laughs> well, not according to European standards, but for I still think it is. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't they care? Let's go. It's snowing. Let's go for a battle. <laughs> yeah, the Europeans are, um, are diehard like that, actually. We, we not so much. <laughs> <laughs> okay, and no Olympic Games this year? So, it's not confirmed. Um I would still love to compete if I got a chance, but I actually am probably guaranteed to go to Tokyo um, anyway because I'm a candidate for the International Olympic Committee Athletes Commission. Okay. Um, yeah, so there's 30 of us that have been selected, uh, different sport codes and countries around the world, um, and the voting takes place in the Olympic Village in Tokyo. So. Sure. It now means that if we chosen, we kind of would have a one year less mm. um, in terms, but uh, they're only too small. So I have to try and start doing some campaigning <laughs> with some other international athletes. But it's really exciting because it's something that's quite close to my heart. And if I can still get to go and be involved in mm. um, in something like that for the next couple of years, it'll be really great. Without that stress of competing. Yes, exactly. But the only thing is, is that now I probably won't be able to even watch a single event because they've announced that there's no spectators. That's allowed. right. No internationals, yeah. Exactly. So I'll be super grateful that I'm actually going to Tokyo, but I might also be just watching the event behind the TV screen. <laughs> but at and least I'll still experience the Olympic Village. With, ja- with Japanese commentary, though, because it'll be on Japanese TV. Yes, probably. But yeah. so, maybe you never know. I might learn the language in two weeks. I was, 
I, I'm imagining it'll be like those Japanese TV programs that you see. You know, those ridiculous things. What is it? Uh, Takashi's <laughs> Castle or something like that. No, it's only a subtitle for it. Ah, you see. <laughs> uh, of course, there's always being a referee or an umpire. Surely there's those. Come on, make a plan. Get in near the water. Yeah, no, I think I'll, I'm sure I'll be allowed to go um, watch. If But you never know. Maybe there won't be any more... Um, qualifiers and I might end up competing. There we um, go. Let's see. <laughs> Bridget Ellen Hartley, good luck to you and let's see what you're doing next. We look forward to chatting to you again. Thank you so much. Bridget Ellen Hartley, South African sprint canoe, came third in the Doozy Canoe Marathon. Uh, she has won golds, but third at the London Olympic Games, third at the World Champs, three times, three different years. All Africa Games and Africa Games. She's just conquered everything. You are there, Safe. We got more tracks with DJ Sly in a moment.